Hey, player two. You're back for another year. I'm Kitty M, the old geek, and this is the Land of Pod, where we talk about pretty much everything geeky. <sighs> so much has happened. Aquaman, the new Titans TV series, robots taking over the entire planet. I mean, it's going to be an apocalypse, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Too. Come in, sit down. So much has happened while you've been away from the land of Pod that I've got to get through this stuff quick before the robot apocalypse, which is obviously upon us because scientists have made it so that they can program liquid metal to do stuff, which sounds like a Chrome Alex Mac dream, but is actually probably the way Skynet ended the world for us all. Remember that scene in that Terminator movie with the guy in the milk carton and the blade like straight through it? Turned me off strawberry milk for weeks kidding. Gore actually makes me crave sweet food. It's a really complicated thing that we don't have time to get into. I didn't actually bother reading much past the headline of that story because it's increasingly becoming obvious that the robot apocalypse will happen and quite frankly it's what a lot of us deserve. For those of you that don't deserve any kind of apocalypse, oops. <laughs> Speaking of oops, You'd think if you were someone who traded in Choose Your Own Adventure as a brand, you would love the Netflix Black Mirror Bandersnatch episode, which was Choose Your Own Adventure. But the people from ChooseCo very much don't, as they say it tarnishes their brand, and now it looks like they might be suing. In unsurprising news to everyone, I read a lot of Goosebumps books when I was a kid. They were kind of like our version of Black Mirror in that everyone was a monster in them. Some of which were Choose Your Own Adventure and they were not always the nicest endings. So I'm not entirely sure how Bandersnatch tarnishes that reputation. It was, it, it had a little bit of tarnish on it already. On the other hand, Black Mirror does suck the life and hope out of everything it touches. So we should loosely segue into something really nice before the darkness descends. Like Soldier 76, he's gay. Which is news to absolutely zero people who play Overwatch because every character in Overwatch is LGBTQAI+. So let's stop pretending that was a big shock. I think it's quite sweet even if it is just a marketing tactic. And I'm glad that there's representation in gaming. And to be honest, it doesn't change anything. Actually, some people do think it changes things. I think I know what is really worrying them. They talk about it as though it's SJWs ruining games. But really what it is, is some people worried that if they play a gay character like Soldier 76, does that make them gay? So I'm going to help you out with this real quick. As someone with a few gay friends, there is a way to tell if you are a gay man. And that's if you're a dude who likes to smooch other dudes. But even then, you might be bi or pan, which means you like to smooch a load of different people, not just men. But playing a gay character makes you no more gay than it makes gay people straight for playing straight characters in games. The way I know this is literally all of the gay people who've grown up never seeing themselves represented in any meaningful way while having favourite superheroes, video game characters, book characters, any number of faves who were at least straight presenting and still, those people were gay because that's how sexual orientation works. But liking a character doesn't make you that character. I kind of wish that was how it works because my favourite character is Batman and imagine if just by liking Batman I could be Batman. <sighs> 
That would be tops. I would have all those cool gadgets and I'd be rich and I'd be smart. My parents would be dead though. I think that's a serious downside to being Batman. That and the crippling rage issues and inability to let anyone in because what if they leave again? But I already have those issues and my parents are alive so I guess it all has evened out in the end. Speaking of keeping things even, you may have recently seen some headlines about Cyberpunk 2077, the video game that has yet to be released. The headlines went along the lines of Cyberpunk 2077 devs have to watch Blade Runner and Ghost in the Shell. This made everyone super mad, because what if those were the only two things they drew inspiration from? I know. Well, good news kids, it's not. How did I come by this very exclusive information? You might remember that I work kind of in the media and there's this old-fashioned method that people have taught me to find out what's actually going on rather than just hearing bits and pieces. It's called reading the article and that's what I did and that's how I found out. Turns out the devs of Cyberpunk 2077 also will have to read a Neuromancer and have an understanding of Cyberpunk 2020 which is the RPG tabletop game that this whole game is based on. I want to finish this off with a little warning. I get that people are protective of their genres and you want your genre to be represented properly, especially when it's going out to a wider world. But I'm seeing an increasing number of elitist voices out there declaring that if someone hasn't read this or seen that, they must not understand because look at all my leather bound books and my collection of movies that you've never heard of before. And that's great. If you have a vast amount of time, space, money and energy to sink into just one genre and you're the expert on it, I'm happy for you and your knowledge. But when I see people talk down to others who don't get it, or when they're asked for more information or engaged in discussion, when those people answer back with, well, you're going to have to read this book list first before I engage further, or worse, find your own book list, that annoys me. No, you're not here to be someone's personal Google assistant, but you're also not some NPC handing out weird and wonderful quests in order to get the character to, oh, I don't know, get to the next level. Part of the reason of the Land of Pod exists is the hope that someone just starting out can find a foothold and learn. Or maybe someone who's known all of this stuff sees it in a different way. I do not see the point in hoarding information or knowledge. And it strikes me as odd that anyone who knows anything about cyberpunk would be the kind of person to do that. But that's just me, I guess, you know. Now, cyberpunk 2077 might still be trash. They made a gross, did you assume my gender joke, or at least someone on their social media did, and some questionable comments. But I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They make great games, and I think this one looks really good. And it probably won't be perfect, but if it's close enough, right now, I'll take that. Come on, let's go to where the Justice League are. I'm pretty sure I can get into their headquarters. Don't give me that look, I've got a key. Yeah, I know, Plato, I thought these keys would work. No, I don't know why random keys I found on the street wouldn't work in the Justice League headquarters. I mean... Technically, they work for us, like the Justice League, we're, we're like their bosses, so any keys should be able to open their office. Not entirely sure I understand what locks do. Anyway, we're stuck here now, and 
little light over there means I've triggered an alarm. So Wonder Woman's probably on her way and she'll just forgive us because Mercy is kind of what she does. All I've got you here though, I've been wanting to corner someone to talk about all the things people think are facts about uh, Zack Snyder's Batman that are wrong and also in Justice League. See, in Meat Space, I'm a freelance writer when I'm not at my day job. So of course, my first thing to do in 2019 was to write about Zack Snyder and his new studio, Stone Quarry, and why he's been undervalued in the DCEU. Where there is someone pointing out that what he made was for comic book fans, there will be people in the comments who are wrong. I just wanna say, if you disagree with me, I'm not saying you're not a comic book fan player too, or not a proper fan at all, or anything like that. But you might have a knowledge gap, and seeing as we're not getting out of here, let me fill you in. Firstly, there's this assumption that Zack Snyder was the one who made Batman kill people. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he was there in issue one of Batman in DC Comics. That's right, Batman has been killing people since the beginning. It doesn't happen that often, and if it happens, especially now, it's meant to be shocking, but it happens because he's not always in control. That's the fun thing about Batman. Or people complain that Jimmy was killed, which didn't register to me at all, and I used to watch The Adventures of Lois and Clark, Superman. So here's my theory on this. While Snyder was with the DCEU, there was always the idea that the bigger picture was Flashpoint Paradox, or at least multiverse. So what if in the alternate universe that guy lives and is a big shot reporter, wouldn't that be emotional? Answer, yes. Another problem people have with the movie is that it's too dark. Well, welcome to comic book movies. Thanks largely to Marvel, everyone thinks that comic book movies should be entertaining and make them feel good. That's not a true. No movie with Batman in it in the last three decades at least has had a world filled with brightness. And here's the hint, uh, it's in the name. He's Batman, he's part of the shadows. Think about it, he witnessed his parents' death, which is horrifying, but then spent the rest of his life sculpting himself into a weapon against crime as a way of avenging his parents, long past when he honestly should have just healed enough to do something else. But he didn't, because he held on to his anger. That's why all the movies about him are dark. But then you've got the flip side. Everyone's like, yeah, well, Superman was also angry. Yes, Superman isn't perfect. That's the point. He has the power of a god, but he is, for all intents and purposes, human or trying to be. He's been raised in a human society. He feels exclusion just like everyone else. And the whole point is the ideals by which everyone else judges him are ones they could never fulfill and mostly don't bother to aspire to. And there are a few god superheroes who deal with the same thing. So, for instance, Marvel's Cable. He goes around the world basically bullying everyone into being a better person. Wonder Woman. Actually, she's pretty good, but she's also the most well-rounded of all the superheroes. And even then, she can be really violent. There is a nasty side to Wonder Woman. And Aquaman, remember, he's just basically Superman, but he can also talk to fish, and he's a ball of anger. And he has his own world to deal with. I mean, he's a little bit more dorky, but he's not that nice either. None of them have to be nice. Everyone just thinks, oh, but I saw Superman be nice once, so I assume that's what his character's like all the time. Yes, if he was a two-dimensional character that did the same thing every time. If you want to see that, watch a Marvel movie. Not that they're two-dimensional characters, they're actually quite good, it's just... None of people really liked Aquaman, I know it's doing quite well, but... You know, we can't talk about this here in space. Let's go to the other place 
that people haven't explored enough of. The deep ocean. Because I've just been thinking Wonder Woman is not going to be merciful about this. She will be. But I can't stand one of her lectures again. Let's just go. We fell from the sky. Of course we ended up in the ocean. It's just not as deep as I was planning. But then I thought the Atlanteans probably don't want to see me again after last time. And also, you look pretty human. The Atlanteans are not big on humans, which you can understand. I mean, humans pee in the ocean, and that's literally pee in bathwater compared to what else humans put in the oceans. They are so mad at you guys, and it's deserved. But I thought the ocean would be a nice place to talk about the Aquaman movie, which is a very good movie, and let me tell you for why. There are parts that aren't great, I'm going to admit it. It's not the perfect movie. Like, when Mira says a whale might eat them, I know she's a rich fish person, but where'd you grow up, lady? Whales don't eat people. Anyway, there's a lot of Aquaman lore in this, and it's well worth following up. I've talked about Aquaman's origin story before in The Land of Pod, but it bears repeating that you can draw a lot of comparisons between Aquaman and the King Arthur legends. And this came under fire from some critics who don't understand that that's literally the story of Aquaman. Aquaman's story is just King Arthur, but soggy. You take that out of it, you might as well not kill Bruce Wayne's parents, and well, we know how that ended up when his parents didn't die. Am I right, Flashpoint fans? Yeah, you know. It does stay true to the general theme of Aquaman, but here's the fun fact. His brother has blonde hair. I know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, in at least one of the origin stories of Aquaman, Arthur Curie is sent away from his family because he has blonde hair. Because having blonde hair is a bad sign due to the curse of Kordax. So, are they giving it a nod to that? Yeah, maybe. And there's plenty of solid material lifted from the comic books for this movie. Plus, the lighting is on point, which first becomes apparent with the scene with Black Manta, but after that, the whole film opens up. Visually, it's stunning. Their attention to scale is... And can we talk for a little moment about Black Manta's backstory? I mean, I'm mainly going to be the one talking. It was, by the way, a brilliant choice. There's lots to go with with Black Manta, but I think they made the right choice with this particular story doesn't apologize for his general evilness, but you also get why he makes the choices he does. And obviously this all makes me think that an Injustice League movie could be right around the corner. Things have been a little quiet on the Black Adam, Teth Adam front, but that doesn't mean that movie's not happening. Plus, I mean, The Rock is part of it and he was excited about it and I have a feeling he's the kind of guy that just sort of makes things happen if he wants them to happen. So, it's a renewed hope for the DCEU, even if Snyder isn't there. I think he set up a, an interesting platform. I'm not saying all's saved, but really, when there are directors like James Wan and Patty Jenkins around, we've got a good chance. But also, I had another idea. Here's what I'm thinking. The lowest point of the Aquaman film is the love story. It's too soppy. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I don't like Mira. In fact, Amber Heard is a really really good actress in this. I mean, it's an action film. I don't know that there's much acting that needs to be done from anyone, but she's great. The women in this film, in fact, largely don't play the usual tropes of ladies in action flicks. No one's being put in a fridge here. Now, it could have been the studio mainly pushing the love angle. If it's one thing I've learned, 
is that if there's something wrong with the DC movie, I think it comes down to whatever they think a cinematic release should contain. Batman vs Superman, Justice League, both could have been good films that were then gutted and had their awful offcuts served to the general public as though we're meant to make sense of that mess. So it could have just been a studio necktie saying we need a love story or why else would women go along to see a superhero? Because DC does seem very out of touch with their fan base, so it wouldn't strike me as strange that they haven't worked out that anyone interested in dudes like Jason Momoa don't need to see Jason Momoa making out with someone else. Whatever the reasoning of the love stuff, it just didn't need to be there. Or did it? Because, I know we go on about it a bit, but... Flashpoint Paradox. In order for Flashpoint Paradox to have any hope of hitting with the gravity it deserves, you need those two together. I'm not saying there will be a Flashpoint Paradox, but Snyder's new stone quarry, its whole thing is about being a sacred space for creativity. A place where outside hands don't mess up the masterpiece. And if it turns out that Snyder's going to be handed the job of Flashpoint Paradox, if he's going to be the one bringing it together with Juan and Jenkins like a modern-day Justice League, to share a vision of the DCEU where each movie is a different story, a different feel, dependent on the character we're following, then I could be here for that. And if that's not what's happening, but someone at DC hears this and is like, you know, that's a really good idea, or half-decent at least, steal it. Steal it and make it happen. My payment can be getting more movies from Snyder about the DCEU. And if not, then more movies like Aquaman. That would be cool too. Come on, player two. You know we have to talk about the Titans, right? I've got somewhere very special for us to talk about it. Yeah, it's a hotel room. A really cheap one. No, not weird like that. It's just that's where a lot of their meetings seem to happen in the Titan series on Netflix. If you haven't heard, DC Titans has finally become internationally accessible over the weekend on Netflix, so I took it upon myself to have a look at it for you because I'm that kind of caring individual. No, this hotel room doesn't have Netflix. You think I've got that kind of money? No. DC Titans is about the other superhero is about the other superhero teams. So you hear a lot about Justice League but throughout the DC universe, there's a lot of different teams. I mainly stayed out of the loop on the Titans series for a pretty specific reason, and that's because it's a truth universally acknowledged that a DC franchise in possession of anything consumable by the general public is in want for some jerk who doesn't read comics, doesn't care about animations, and thinks everything should be spoon-fed to them to bag it out. Sorry, it's just... It's just been a rough while to be a loud DC fan. It's just trying to... Just trying to enjoy the things, you know? But this Titan series makes it all worth it. You'll remember some of the controversies surrounding this, and by controversy, I mean people who don't know who the characters were getting upset about those characters not doing exactly what those people think those characters should do, or worse, not looking like those characters. So, you know, the thing that everyone does about DC characters without knowing about DC characters. The saddest example of this was with Anna Diop, who plays Starfire, and some racist dirtbags who, you know, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't call them that. Bags of dirt are very useful. I mean, you can help it to stop a flood, or you could use it to transport the dirt where you're maybe going to have a raised flower bed or something, or like a garden. 
So let me phrase this a different way. So these racists, right, they decide that Anna Diop shouldn't be Starfire because she's black. Okay, for one, and I know I've done this before, but it bears repeating, Starfire is usually a yellow colour. Like, literally the colour yellow, because Starfire is not a human. And so she can be whatever damn human colour she sees fit, and if she decides to be the formidable and amazing Anna Diop, then none of us are in any position to stop her and her excellent taste in what humans to be. And then also as a much minor trash fire. Everyone got upset that Robin said a swear. Yeah, he also wails on multiple bad guys and turns them into a jammy mess with gravel throughout the whole series. And that's also something you probably didn't think Boy Wonder would do. I've got news for you. He can and he does and he will again. But here's why you should be watching the Titans. The pacing is good. No one's drawing out a scene with teenage angst. Nope. Everyone is getting on with their jobs. The scriptwriters in this have made it a specific thing where you actually see more of the story than someone wailing about how daddy didn't love them enough. And that's impressive given how many of these characters could be getting three knuckle deep into their daddy issues because there is a lot to unpack there, a lot. But the action, the intrigue, the plot, all take center stage. So we can find out about the team who will become the Titans without having to sit through them going through a box of tissues to do it. I don't mean to say it's not nice to see emotions on the TV screen, I mean I guess it is, but not in this series when I'm waiting very impatiently to see if Jason Todd shows up. As always with DC it's the little touches. The wearing of a Superman shirt here, the names on Dick Grayson's phone when he scrolls through his contact list, the subtle icons for Raven and Beast Boy on their outfits. And the bigger touches as well. They're bringing in some pretty old school characters who haven't been explored enough on screen. I'm hoping this will lead to a renewed interest in these characters. Certainly piqued mine at a time when I do not have time to jump into those comics, but here I am wanting to jump into those comics. Here's what critics will probably tell you about it. It's too violent, Starfire isn't nice enough, Robin isn't nice enough, Starfire dresses badly, it's too violent, what about the children? And why don't we get to know more about these characters that we don't know about because we don't know about the DC comic universe or apparently Google? Here are the answers. No, these people are not always nice. This isn't well-rounded Dick Grayson, a lot of us know, the sweet boy with violent tendencies, but also in touch with his emotional side. Remember, his father figure has been Batman for a really long time and Batman is the worst dad in the world. Dick has to learn how to be a human and that's tough for general humans, let alone when Batman is the guy who is your like North Star for that sort of thing. If the writers are smart, they'll show that character progression. Starfire isn't mean, she's just alien. She doesn't have the same frame of reference as the rest of us, but if you can't see the compassion in her actions and words, then you're not watching the same series as me. Her outfit is amazing and her fighting is amazing and I love her very much. And no, it's not for children, it's super violent. Welcome to comics, which is handy because you know when people go, but I don't know about this character, who are they? They didn't even introduce them properly. Well, guess where they can be found at <gasps> intake of breath comics. And I'm sure in the next few weeks, I'll give you some masterclasses on who these characters actually are. But for now, player two, enjoy the ride because it's wild. And it's a wonderful way for you to get into the DC universe while we wait for the latest Young Justice to get available somewhere in Australia. Because that's the real injustice. Am I right? It's a, it's a play on the word justice. Maybe a, a hint at Justice League. You're right, this isn't funny at all. Do you want pancakes?
we're back at the tavern, but in the kitchen. I sometimes work here. They pay me not to, though. But for this, we're going to need pancakes, and you'll see. It's because we're going to see two sides of a story. It's a metaphor. But also, I'm very hungry. And we need to talk about Ellie. If you haven't heard about this, it's probably because you're not into esports. So here's a quick rundown. In the game Overwatch, which is a multiplayer FPS, a heap of different characters who play with different abilities. So you've got tanks, DPS, rogue types, builders. For anyone at me with, that's not exactly how that works. Well, not going into great detail about something as a brief overview is how this works. So, uh, Overwatch League, the professional arm of this game, is huge. In it, there's one lady player, Guguri. She plays for the Shanghai Dragons and she's awesome. But largely, the representation of women gamers is few and far between. So, when a semi-professional team, Second Wind, signed a gamer known as Ellie, who was doing quite well at the top of the ladder, people got excited. Problem was, Ellie wasn't very forthcoming with information about herself. People, being people, were curious. But the internet being the internet means it wasn't just curiosity driving what was essentially calls for her to be doxxed. Doxing is where someone's personal information is shared on the internet without their permission, and it can be really dangerous. Plenty of people in the wider gaming community, and more specifically the esports community, were supportive of her right to privacy, and were loud voices against the detractors. Then... The script flipped. It was revealed that Ellie wasn't real. They were a real person, but instead they were a pretty high-ranking player, Punisher, who's a dude, and who was conducting a social experiment, the point of which still seems unclear. So where does that leave us? With a lot of people weighing in, mainly. And here's something I want to draw your attention to. It's the discussion about the fallout of this and how it in... I'm going to say some cases because I don't want to overstate it, but how in some cases the articles that talk about the fallout of this lean heavily on the commentary of straight, white, cis dudes to unpack the levels of ick. For instance, there's plenty of articles about what PewDiePie has to say about all this, which I don't care about. He can have an opinion about it, and obviously people are going to talk about what he's saying because, like it or not, he's one of the biggest influential commentators on pop culture that we have. But for someone that enjoys his level of wealth, access to technology, and time, he is one of the most disconnected and uninformed people on the planet. People are still going to report what he has to say. Just be aware, he's coming from a position of extreme privilege and sensory deprivation levels of not being informed about the world. And I want to be clear, I don't dislike PewDiePie. I dismiss him. And he's not the only uninformed one, he's just the loudest and most well-known. And I don't want this to be taken as, I want straight white cis dudes out of this discussion. I don't. But I do think it's important to look at any articles you read about commentary around this and the culture of toxicity and harassment in the geek community in general, and ask yourself how many people who are being quoted in articles are the ones most at risk of harassment in these communities. If you only read views of people who aren't the ones at risk, then you're not getting a real view of what's going on. The upside to guys like PewDiePie talking out about these subjects is because if someone like him can share his opinions unabashed and uninformed, then someone like me shouldn't feel nearly as self-conscious as I do when I try and talk about it with actual context and information about the situation at hand. So, 
I'll start by saying this. I was immediately excited by seeing another woman playing Overwatch in any professional capacity. When Gaguri came on the scene a few years ago, it was electric, but representation of women is few and far between in esports. So this felt like a breakthrough was happening. And of course I defended Ellie's right to privacy. I don't regret that stance for a second. And I'd like to think I'd do the same regardless who was asking for that privacy. Everyone should have a right to that. As part of those defending Ellie, I think it's fair to say the issue was not that people were curious about who Ellie was. It was that people didn't believe a woman could be playing this game well. I highly doubt we'd get this level of interrogation about skill, how long it took her to get on mic, the seemingly overnight rankings, if the player had presented as a dude but who wanted to be private. The discussions surrounding Ellie's identity came a lot of the time with how women aren't really equipped to play video games because we don't have good motor skills. As though on-point eyeliner isn't a result of fine motor skills. Also, that's not how esports or being a woman works. Esports are just as much about strategy, teamwork, problem solving as they are about muscle memory and good reaction times. To say that any of those skills are less present in half the population isn't just uninformed, it's being willfully ignorant about so many factors. You don't even have to know or acknowledge the fact that the way we raise kids dependent on gender they're assigned greatly influences what skills and traits they perfect over time. Mess like women are more compassionate and emotional is only a result of the fact we raise girls to be in touch with their emotions. And then of course we discount them for it because women are so emotional. And then we raise boys to think the only emotions they're allowed to feel or express are happy and angry and then go, why are they always angry? If you want to pretend not to see how any of that would affect literally all of society, if it all seems like feminist propaganda, go ahead and ignore those facts because I can't convince you. Because even if you're right though, and women just aren't as good as men when it comes to reaction times, consider that out of half the population, there will be a few women who will still be better than men at stuff. And that includes esports. None of this though was really about what was true. This was about what people believe. The interrogation of Ellie's identity was gendered. That is what the majority of Ellie defenders had a problem with. It was just one example of what happens whenever a woman appears to be better than a dude. Need I remind you, this same thing happened with Gaguri. The flip side of this is that Ellie wasn't real. And I can't tell you how angry I am about that. Not because I was really hoping a woman would show these guys who was the best at esports, but because it's just caused more problems. I don't want any team to recruit a lady player because she's a lady. No one wants to be on a team ticking a box. People want to be there because they earned it. I'm not sure what Second Wind were doing, why they made that choice. They may have seen a really great player and an opportunity to have more representation on their team and thought, this will be great. Or maybe they liked the play style, regardless of who she was, and that's why she got hired. I don't know what Punisher is usually like in chat. Maybe they'd heard that and decided he wasn't for them, but as Ellie, who had limited mic time, maybe that worked out better. I don't know what went into that decision, but I really want to hope that they weren't trying to just tick a box. 
because I don't think that helps anyone. And I get that there is a rising anxiety amongst dudes seeing women come in and be celebrated for liking video games and how now it seems like women just get handed stuff while these guys have worked so hard to perfect their craft. As a woman, I don't know what it'd be like to work really hard and then be passed over and dismissed based purely on your gender despite having superior knowledge and experience. It literally never happens to any woman, so I guess none of us can completely sympathise with the unique situation these guys are finding themselves in. Except that's sarcasm. I do get it and it totally sucks. But acting like a creepy harasser abuser type is not the way to fix that. I'm not sure how to fix it, and if I could work out how we're meant to give everyone an equal chance based on commitment to their job and experience, rather than who they know and how apparently valuable they are as an influencer, I wouldn't be working a day job. It's more than just this. Because thanks to this experiment, now the doxing of women has got a big rubber stamp of approval. Because people can say, see, we were right, you can't trust a lady gamer, now we have to know more. Do you know why there's been an influx of women in gaming? Do you know why a whole heap of us there weren't questioning that a lady gamer suddenly appeared near the top of a ladder doing amazing things? It's because for the longest time, women hid online. I never went on mic unless it was with a guild I trusted. I still don't go on mic now. I have a more lady type name these days but that's a recent development. Most of the time, I've tried to present as a dude online just to stop people harassing me. Because we all know it happens. So women didn't suddenly get here. It was just unsafe for us to be seen and heard. We've always been here. And the problem with this little experiment is that it's thrown us all back a bit. There's a way to fix this though. See, esports needs to do more to reach more people. I don't mean that because representation matters, though it does. No, esports needs to reach more people in order to be viable as a business. Blizzard doesn't only want dudes playing the game, not because they're especially progressive, they might be, but it's because it makes sense, business-wise, to have a whole lot of different people playing professionally. That way, everyone sees themselves playing Overwatch. That translates into more money for Blizzard. And it maybe helps people out along the way. I don't know how to fix this Ellie situation. And I'm so mad that we defended someone who I'm not sure had the best of intentions towards the gaming community. And I wish Ellie had been real. And it makes me really sad for all of the women who will be professional esports gamers later. Because they're going to have to get over that hurdle as well as all the others. But I think it can happen, and I don't think our community is rotten to the core. Look at how much people celebrate Sonic Fox, who is an absolute gem. I think we can do that in the esports community and the geek community at large. We just have to stop messing around, you know? Oh, play too. Don't don't eat those pancakes. No, I I mixed up the flour with cement. Don't worry, there's there's dwarves. They'll they'll totally they'll polish them off. That's it, player two. Thank you for coming back to the land of pod. I hope I can do this again soon. 
If you liked it, please rate it highly on any of the podcatchers that you're listening this on. You can also like the Land of Pod page, and I'm on Twitter in the interwebs at ChaosKittyM. I know, I know, I should have mentioned Game of Thrones, but I don't watch that TV series because of all the rape. There's a lot of it on there. Until next time, player two.